Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing good. I went to a wedding Friday night, Dan and Sophia from this church family, and that was fun. So I'm having a great weekend. I hope you are too. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed. Okay, good, good. Yeah, raise your hand if you've never, no, 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 just kidding. (laughs) I'm excited to start week two of a series that applies to all of us. You know what, there are surveys done by people who do surveys and things, and like everybody prays, not just Christians pray, but like almost everybody prays, even people who, even atheists pray, which I'm like, I don't know what they're doing exactly, but they're praying. And so this series is applicable to us all. Last week, we acknowledged that, you know what, we're just all over the map. In a room of this many people, there's probably some of us who have a mature and vibrant prayer life. It's rich and it's deep and you've been going for a long time. That's terrific. There's probably some people in this room who barely or almost never pray. And there's a whole bunch of people in this room that are maybe somewhere in between those two. And we talked about how You can't get where you're going unless you know where you're at. That's why when you open a Maps app on your phone, you get one of these blue dots. You are here, right? You are here. And then if you type in a destination, it can map you from here to there. And so in our prayer life, what good is it to deny the fact that we are where we are? Because otherwise, how can we get where God is calling us to go? So let's recognize where we're at, good, bad, or indifferent. And then go from there. And you know what? We can all grow and mature in our prayer life. None of us have reached the destination on that one yet. And so this series is terrific. Last week, we talked about furnace fans. I didn't blow it on you all morning this morning, but there was an illustration that maybe worked great for some of you and maybe less for others. But we talked about how the Lord's Prayer is so familiar, right? And like, is it too familiar that we can't hear what it has to say? We said, let's tune into it in this series and really hear what Jesus has to say about prayer, even if it's super familiar. It's been said that the Lord's Prayer is like the set of words that's been spoken the most in all of human history. I don't know if that's true or not, but it has been spoken a lot. And if you're a Christian, even if you're not, you probably know it and it's super familiar. But we don't want to just recite it. We could do that for 20, 30 minutes. What do you think? No, let's, let's like unpack it. Let's like figure out how to apply it. Let's learn what Jesus had to teach us in a fresh and a new way today and take the next step, next step, next step toward where he's calling us to go in prayer. Prayer is an awesome opportunity, isn't it? You get to talk to God. Don't you love that? Yes, sometimes we fail to (laughs) believe it. And so we don't love it as much if you're anything like me. All right, let's start with our passage that we're using all three weeks of this series. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. It's a couple of verses of teaching on prayer, then it's the Lord's Prayer, and then a couple more verses of Jesus teaching on prayer. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's an awesome passage. And a great place to start. So last week, uh, I said we're going to pull out of this what I called perspectives to guide us in the practice of prayer. Perspectives to guide us in the practice of prayer. And I asked you to like pull out a piece of paper, do it again today, pull out a piece of paper and a pen or your notes app and write these down. My hope is that between Sunday and Sunday, you pull that out again and you think about it. You chew on it a little bit, you know? You start to apply it in your prayer life. Use these things to enhance your time interacting with God in prayer. These are the five perspectives we pulled out last week. We did verses 5 through 10 last week. Prayer is rewarding. Prayer is for connecting. Prayer is for kids. Prayer expresses loving awe. And prayer surrenders to God. That was last week. We're going to get three more perspectives for our list today, which I'm very excited about. But before we begin opening up those, let's notice where we're at in the prayer. We got through your will be done on earth as it is in heaven last week. And today we start with give us today our daily bread. And this is actually a turning point in Jesus' prayer. The first half was all about the Father, wasn't it? His name be hallowed. His kingdom come. His will be done. His, his, his. The second half of the prayer turns the focus, sort of. Talk about that. (laughs) Give daily bread to us. Forgive us. Lead us. Deliver us. You see how the focus is shifting. Even though the focus shifts to making requests for ourselves, it's not a self-centered prayer. It's not like the first half is all about God and the second half is a selfish prayer. The prayer still centers on God because we're asking him to act. He's the source of the answer the prayers in the second half of this. Can you see that? He's provider. Give us today our daily bread. He's forgiver. Forgive us our sins. He's leader. Lead us not into temptation. And he's deliverer. Deliver us from the evil one. Does that make sense? If it makes sense, go like this. With a big old smile. Good. Good one, Leah. <laughs> one more time. Okay, woo! you guys are waking up this morning. <laughs> I'm going to give you a drink. Extra thumbs, extra credit right now if you do more thumbs ups. Mm-hmm. 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 Very good. I was going to drink water and talk at the same time for a ventriloquism, but I'd probably choke. Also entertaining, depending on your sense of humor. Come on, you guys. We can have fun and learn from God's word. Okay. So, where are we at? First half of the prayer. 
So if we track with Jesus through this prayer, our hearts come into alignment with God first, right? His name, his kingdom, his will, we surrender to that. We get in alignment with it. And then we start requesting things that flow from that place, things that we need. We start requesting him to act on our behalf. The other thing happening at this point in the prayer is it's like an exclamation point because the prayer itself is built with symmetry, what Bible nerds call chiasm. It's symmetric, and there's a line in the middle that stands alone. You could see it if you set it up like this with some indentation. We start with an address, our Father in heaven, and then there's three lines. Then we get to give us today our daily bread. That's where we're at. It's right in the middle. And then there's three more lines that sort of parallel the first three. And so it stands out because it's right there in the middle. It stands out even more when I put a nice little blue highlight on it, doesn't it? And when I give you indentation, that's not in the Bible. Most Bibles that you read don't have it indented like that. But that's what's happening. I feel like it's Jesus giving us a little tip of the cap right here, acknowledging that we have real needs when we come to him in prayer. That's why he put it in the middle to stand out. He's like, you got to get lined up with God first, guys. But yeah, right here in the middle, you're coming to prayer because you have needs. How often do you come to prayer only because a need became really apparent in your life? Oh, it's just me. Okay, I understand. <laughs> right? It's a challenge to just be disciplined and go to prayer when you don't need anything. We strive for that. We, we shoot for that. That's a target we aim for. And Jesus is teaching that here. But so often we come to prayer with our needs, right? Oh, God, I need help. <laughs> I, look what I have coming up today. Or the bills are spread out in front of you. Or you're sick. Or your car broke down. You know, we come to prayer with needs, don't we? And Jesus gives you a little tip of the cap here going, yeah, I know you're coming with needs. So we put it right in the middle. All of our needs are really summed up or boiled down with this one dense phrase, give us today our daily bread. And actually the whole prayer is packed like that. And you can pull on one little string and like things just unfold from it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's get perspective number six to add to our list. What do you say? If you want perspective number six, go like this. I just love the thumbs up smiles. You guys are getting it. I also love this one when I'm driving in the car and I see someone I know, especially someone who doesn't like know how goofy I am yet, and I pull up beside them, I like to go and just keep going and going and going. You guys don't do that. Okay, you should try it. Perspective number six, prayer requests provision. That's a fancy way of saying we get to ask God for what we need. This is from verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. We are asking our Father in heaven to provide for our needs. So, like I said, you can pull on that. And so much of Scripture starts to unfold as you do. Jesus is activating so much of Scripture, maybe all of it. You could study and see if you can prove or disprove that through this one prayer. And so I want to use daily bread as an example of that. And then you can go through the other lines and kind of pull it out yourself and see how it works in others. But bread is packed with symbolism in the Bible. It's a, a sign of sustenance, of life, and of community, togetherness. Just think about it. Israel spent 40 years living their whole life, 24-7, 
365 times 40, whatever that is. Get your calculator out and figure it out. <clears throat> Eating manna, bread from heaven. Okay, daily bread. Yeah, Jesus called himself the bread of life. What's it called when people sit down to eat together in the Bible? Breaking bread. You can say it full volume. <laughs> Breaking bread together. It shows relationship and community. That's a biblical term for it. What did Jesus say on the night he was betrayed? He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and said, This is my body. Yes, yeah, very good. I'm just pulling on. <laughs> this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As he had the bread in his hand. Give us today our daily bread. So you can see how this prayer is meant to be like a jumping off point. You know, not just an uh, uh, empty recitation of the words Jesus gave us. Although you can recite it. It's very rich and wonderful to do that. But it's a jumping off point for prayer. It's meant to activate in your mind biblical themes that you can then start to riff on a little bit. So here's what I might do to do that with the line, give us today our daily bread. I might pray, Father, I ask you for daily bread today. You fed your people in the wilderness, and I know I can trust you to provide for me. Jesus, thank you for meeting my greatest need by coming down as bread from heaven to offer salvation. That's one way you could do that. So what you do is you start to unfold things from the template Jesus gave you. You start to make it your own by using your own words. And then you can linger as long as you want to, as long as you need to on any line. It's kind of like what musicians do when they improvise at least as far as I can understand it, as a musician who stopped musicking at, like, the end of high school. But, like, there's a structure and a melody, right? Like, maybe this is jazz music. I'm not quite sure. Joe will tell me later if I'm right or wrong. There's, like, a structure and a melody. There's a thing, right? And they play it for you. And then they play it again with a little variation. They kind of do something with it over here, and it sounds a little different. Then they come back to this, and then they do something over here, and it sounds a little different, and they come back to it. But this is what the Lord's Prayer can be for us. It's a structure that you use and you come back to, but then you go over here and you pray as it inspires you, as the Spirit leads, and you come back to it, and you go over here and you pray as the Spirit inspires you and as he leads you, and you come back to it. And hopefully it makes some beautiful prayer music, right? <laughs> and there's grace. It doesn't have to be beautiful. Um, <clears throat> okay, with all of that said, which is amazing to do, right? It can really take you deep in prayer. It can be fun. It can sort of extend your prayer time beautifully. But we can't do that and forget the direct meaning, okay? I want to come back around to that. Jesus is saying you can ask for what you need. Bring your real, physical, you know, real-life needs. Bread. I need to eat. I need clothes to wear when I go out in public. I need a car to get me to my job. Bring these needs to the Lord in prayer. That's what it means first and foremost. And then we jump off from there. But we don't want to over-spiritualize it so much we lose the first meaning. You know what I mean? Good. Jesus actually said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. 
Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Raise your hand. No one? Good. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. One hand. You're just, you're just saying that. If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay, so Jesus talks about asking God for what you need, and then his example is food. A basic need, right? A son asks for bread. Does, does a good father give him a rock? Here, see what minerals you can get out of this. No! Or a son asks for some fish to eat. Does he get a snake? Here, have fun with this thing. It's venomous. No! Good fathers provide for the needs of their children. How much more so our Heavenly Father? And remember, the prayer we're looking at starts with our Father. He's a good dad. Now, just as much as Jesus encourages us to ask for our needs, to bring the needs we have to God in prayer, he also says, don't get sucked into a world of worry, fretting, and anxiety. That's one of the reasons that it says, give us today our daily bread. Today, daily. Matthew 6, 34, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we pray just like God's people received the manna in the wilderness, one day at a time, day by day. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown are three really smart people who wrote a Bible commentary, and they said this. I thought that was kind of funny. Okay, we'll keep moving. They said this, in limiting our petitions to provision for the day, what a spirit of childlike dependence does the Lord both demand and beget? To put it in other words, in simpler words, my words, taking it one day at a time creates a childlike faith in us. And Jesus says this is the kind of faith required to enter the kingdom. He said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's given us a prayer to help us do that very thing, hasn't he? Think about that for a minute, though. What would it look like to become a little child when you pray for daily bread? I thought about that this week, and I thought of toddlers. Toddlers are great. They're totally engrossed in what they're doing, right? They're, like, so present. Us adults are always trying to get present. Just watch a toddler. They are present. Whatever they're playing with, they are in it. And sometimes they're so in it, they don't realize they have to go to the bathroom until it's too late. Or they don't realize they're hungry until they are extremely hungry and cranky. Parents of toddlers nodding heads. Yeah. Oh, they're laughing. Some are crying. There's Kleenexes. <laughs> Kleenexes in the seat pocket in front of you. Go ahead. Blow your nose. It's okay. We love you. We'll help you. <laughs> but toddlers are so present, right? And so Jesus is saying, be like a toddler. When you're hungry, ask for food. I want some goldfish. I'm so hungry. That's okay. Don't worry about tomorrow. Kids don't worry about that. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So if we bring it back to, him, to prayer and to living the Christian life, it's like, hey, go be wild, free, and full of imagination like a kid. Enjoy the world God's created for you. 
Enjoy your friends and family, the people he's put in your life. Enjoy life with him. You're his son or daughter. Don't worry about tomorrow. He's thought of it. He'll provide for you. He provides for the birds and for the flowers of the field. Okay, what about hard times? When there's not enough bread for today and times get tough, we're comforted by the fact that Jesus is acquainted with hard times too, that he suffered too, more than we can imagine actually, and he'll walk with us through hard times. In fact, the Bible says he'll somehow work good even in our suffering. Romans 8.28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church that is suffering. He talks about it in the verses just before this. They're suffering. And he's saying, guys, suffering doesn't have the last word. It doesn't have the final say. God works good even in our worst circumstances. You have purpose. Trust in him when you're going through it. And actually praying for provision in the way that Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, it it keeps our heart set on God, and it builds a trust we can draw on in hard times. We're also, when we pray this way, it also keeps us from seeking a kingdom of our own, doesn't it? We talked about this a little bit last week, but our culture teaches us that you are kings and queens. You have your own little kingdom, our culture likes to tell you. Amass as much wealth as you can, king and queen. Gain as many loyal subjects as you can. You know, be catered to and entertained, king and queen of this age. But when we pray for daily bread, it's totally counter to that culture. It's centered on dependence on God, and he is king. That was the beginning of the prayer that leads up to daily bread, doesn't it? Here's an example from the Proverbs. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, God, and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's a beautiful way to pray it because it seeks to depend on God and honor him. If I put it in my own words, again, I'd pray it something like this. Father, I'm not asking for wealth to build my own kingdom. I'm asking for enough so that I won't be tempted by desperation to dishonor your name that I carry and represent. Daily bread. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's perspective number six. Number seven is this. Prayer gives and gains forgiveness. It comes from verse 12 where we pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Prayer gives and gains forgiveness. There are different words in the Bible um, on this subject. In this prayer, it says debts. But sometimes you'll read words like trespasses, sins, transgressions, and other words like that. They point to debts owed, actions against, and relational trusts broken. That's what these words mean. So in the biblical way of thinking, we owe God a debt. We've wronged him. We've broken trust with him. We've put a rift in our relationship with him. So I'm not going to break down all those different 
biblical words this morning. We just don't have time for that today, although it would be fun and good to do. Um, but let's zoom in on debts, because that's the word that's used in this case in the Matthew version of the Lord's Prayer. So a debt we cannot pay. If we owe God a debt we cannot pay, and that's true, what do we owe him? You don't have to answer this time. It's okay. <laughs> I'll answer that one for you. Well, God created us. We're his. And so we actually owe him, and every individual, every human owes him every breath. We owe him our allegiance as God, as king, right? We owe him living every second of every day with the attitude of your kingdom come, your will be done. But each of us has lived according to my kingdom come, my will be done. Whether we've done that for only a moment or our entire lifetime up until now, it created a debt because we didn't give him what he deserved. We owed him every moment of allegiance, and we can never go back and change our moments of rebellion. Time marches on. The moments that we turn traitor are written and recorded in history, you guys. It's a debt we cannot pay. No amount of good deeds can undo what's already been done by you and by me. I know, it's a downer. Hang on. <laughs> and then God's just. The Bible says he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. But God has a plan to forgive our debt and still be just. I'd call it a balance transfer opportunity in this setting. There's a balance transfer opportunity. If you choose to believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord's son, then your debt is transferred to his account. The only human to never owe God a debt is the very one who takes on every human debt for those who believe in him. Our debts are forgiven through him. And then the father expects us to go be like him. Go be children like your dad. Go forgive others the debts that they owe you. We'll come back to that more next week, but we're going to move on for now. Perspective number eight, prayer prepares for battle. Prayer pre prepares for battle. A lot of P's in that one. This is from verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. More news. Every day of your life is lived on a battlefield. There's a spiritual war being waged all around you, right now, and all the time. On one side, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all of heaven is fighting for your salvation and eternal life and that of everyone on planet Earth. On the other side, the devil fights to steal kill, and destroy your soul. There is a war being waged. The fight is for your soul. And so the question is, will you surrender to God as king and enjoy eternal life in his kingdom? A kingdom beyond your wildest dreams you can inherit. Or will you surrender to the devil who promises you can have your own kingdom and be your own king or queen? There's war all around us, and that is where the battle is fought. It's into this war that we pray, lead us not into temptation. 
into that war that we pray lead us not into temptation. Now, we've got to take a quick aside and just recognize, lead us not into temptation can be confusing sometimes, but it's not saying that God tempts us. The Bible's really clear about that in James chapter 1. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Doesn't get any clearer than that, does it? <laughs> For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So we're not praying this because God's tempting us and we're saying, please stop. This stinks. I'm going to give in. No, that's not it at all. Our own evil desires tempt us to sin. Jesus adds to the, our layers of understanding in the Garden of Gethsemane when he tells his disciples this. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if you're a Christian, your spirit inside you, who you are, has pledged allegiance to God. Your spirit inside you wants to obey him. If you meant what you said when you became a Christian. But your flesh is weak. Your own evil desires still drag you away and entice you to sin. One day this won't be the case anymore. But until the war ends, you have to prepare for battle with your fleshly desires. Lead us not into temptation is a prayer that gets you ready. A lot of generals have said over the years, the more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. Right? It motivates troops to get ready for battle. The more you sweat in peace, the less you bleed in war. The same is true in our spiritual warfare. Prayer is the sweat that prepares you to win the war. Come on, let that sink in a little bit. Prayer is the sweat that prepares you to win the war. So often, you fall to temptation because you failed to pray. It's what Jesus said to the guys in the garden. Your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak, so pray. Pray that you won't fall to temptation. Prepare yourself for the battle. It's coming. You have an evil nature inside of you that's going to tempt you. It's going to drag you away and entice you. So pray and get ready to fight it. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The next line says, deliver us from the evil one. The Greek word for deliver is most often translated in the New Testament as rescue. So that's why I put it on the slide as rescue also. Rescue us from the evil one. You could read it. So if lead us not into temptation is to prepare to battle our own desires, then this line is saying, Lord, rescue us from the devil and the powers of darkness that wage war against our souls. So we can actually pray this into specific circumstances. Think about it. When we're persecuted for our faith, God, rescue us from this. When a loved one is sick or dies, God, rescue us from this. It hurts. This isn't right. This isn't what you created it to be. Rescue us, God. We pray in those situations. When we're wrongly accused by someone, we can say, this isn't right. I didn't do that. God, rescue me from this evil. When you feel afflicted, when there's disappointment, doubt, or despair, cry out to God. God, rescue me from this place. We can also pray, rescue us from evil in the broader sense. 
in the sense of saying, Jesus, return in your glory and end the war. I look around me, I look at human history, and it's full of evil, God. Would you return and end that? Set it right once and for all, Jesus. Deliver us from the evil one. Paul writes about this. He uses the same Greek word that's translated deliver in the Lord's Prayer in Colossians chapter 1. It says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when we pray deliver us from evil, we can celebrate that he has done this. He's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness, given us sonship, adopted us into his kingdom as his sons and daughters. He's done it. It's accomplished. But then we also pray with hope and longing for the final victory over sin, death, and the devil. Does that make sense? Both and. And I think um, a scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 sort of just says it for me really well. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, it's talking about the end, when Jesus returns, the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then Paul says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We will have final victory in Jesus, you guys. If you're a Christian, if he's your Lord and your king, and you're not building your kingdom, but you've entered his, it's eternal. It's going to last forever. And final victory over the evil that we live in, a final victory in this war is coming soon. Death will be defeated. And on the other side of that, you'll get to say, where's your sting now, death? Where's your victory? Basically, every human dies until then, you guys. In one sense, it's really sad for people who aren't Christians, right? Death has a victory for them. Death has a sting. If we're not dialed into this truth, it can have a sting on us, can't it? Right? When we lose loved ones, when we face our own death, it stings. But we will have a final victory. We want to be dialed into that now and when we face those circumstances in our life. The final victory is ours in Christ. And if we are dialed into that truth, it will help us to stand firm in faith and be steadfast in prayer no matter what. All right, so here's where we've been last two weeks. Eight perspectives to guide you in the practice of prayer. Put them all together here. If you want to take a picture of the slide with your phone, I will be greatly complimented. Thank you. Thank you. I see that phone. Thank you. I see that phone. Thank you, sister. I see that phone. <laughs> like I said, I want to encourage you to take these things and then go pray. Try out one or two on Monday. Try out a couple more on Tuesday. You don't have to do all eight tomorrow, but do some of them. Pray the Lord's Prayer and pick a line and riff a little bit. 
You know? See what it does for your prayer life. Let's let the Lord's Prayer and what Jesus has taught us about prayer really sink in this week. All right? And I'm pumped up to come back next week and continue our series and wrap it up. It's been so good so far. I'm enjoying my times of prayer. Hopefully it's helping you as well. And uh, as you go out to do our outreach on the trail, when you're not talking with a neighbor, it's a great opportunity to pray to the Lord and experience his presence. All right. Marilee, would you come and close? I will. Thank you. Yeah. Andrew, why don't you put that slide back up, actually? So in closing, we have some time here. I want to just, we've just heard all of this great teaching. Let's take, let's take five minutes and just practice. Um, and so if I could have the worship team or maybe just somebody on the keys come up. And let's just all stand. And let's go through the Lord's Prayer. And I want to give you guys, um, actually, we'll all say it together once. And then we're just going to take some time. And you and the Lord can spend some time on the different lines. Today we talked about the daily bread, asking him to provide for our needs. Spend some time there if you need. If you need to spend some time in the preparing for battle or in receiving his forgiveness or giving forgiveness toward others, um, let's take some time to do that. But first, let's start. Our Father in heaven together. Let's start over. Sorry. Our, start at the beginning together. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yes, just go to the Lord in prayer and press in.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for teaching us to pray. I pray that we would um, just apply what we've learned this week, that we would be um, good disciples of Jesus to learn what he's teaching, that you've taught us to pray. So I pray blessing over each one this week that we would apply um, what we've learned and go a little deeper into each line as Bill's unpacked for us the depth of, of what each line represents. We thank you, God. We thank you. And we just want to continue growing in our prayer lives. You know, I, I pray that and just want to grow in this area and I just pray that for everyone, God, that we would um, just have strong prayer lives, a strong connection with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear our prayers, that you answer prayers. You're such a good father. We're so grateful. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name, amen.